Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. I'm going to be reading from 2 Kings. We're going to camp out here in 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. And before we get into this word, I just want to give you um, some imagery that this passage is talking about here, some prophetic imagery so that we can make some connections here to what this passage is talking about. And there's four things that I want to lay out that this passage is talking about here in chapter four. And those four things are this, the oil, which represents the anointing. It represents the Holy Spirit. It represents God's provision in our life. And then there's the prophet here who is speaking. And when the prophet is speaking, that represents God's word. And how many know it's important that we are in God's word? The third thing is the debtors. And the debtors represent in this passage and the prophetic imagery that is going on in this passage. They represent anything that is against the miraculous or anything that is against the supernatural. And then the last thing is this, which are the vessels. And the vessels represent our faith. So I'm going to read from 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7, and then the band can find a less comfortable seat on the hard pew. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophet prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slave. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Say, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Let me maybe say it this way. Don't ask for just a few. Go and get a lot. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and she told the man of God and said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I'm gonna just add this because this isn't in my notes. I think it's so interesting that what happened in this moment 
was that the oil kept pouring. The oil kept coming based on the amount of jars that she had. But here's what I want to encourage you today. It says, you and your sons, it says, go and pay your debts. Sell the oil, pay your debts. And then it didn't just say, okay, and then go on. It says, you and your sons can live on what's left. How many know that when God provides, he doesn't provide just enough. He provides more than enough. They had enough to live on. I'm gonna pray today, God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you have given us. We thank you that in this moment, in these next few moments, that as we dive into your word, that you would reveal these things to us, that you would challenge us, that you would be with us, that our eyes would be open to see, that our ears would be open to hear, that our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us today. God, that as we enter this new year of 2024, that we will not enter it the way we entered 2023, that we won't keep our heads down, but that we will lift our heads up, that we will, dive into the word more in this year than ever before, that as we get into your word, you would encourage us, that you would build us up, that you would edify us, that you would build our faith in this next season. So God, we are so thankful for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, band. See, as we are reading this passage and as we are diving into these few scriptures here, we step into this woman's life when things aren't going so well. We, we don't step into her life when the pantry is full, when the bills are all paid and there's excess. We step into her life when things aren't going so well. The, the cabinets are empty. There's no food in the fridge. I'm talking about food first day of fast. But we don't step into the picture when things are good. The cupboards aren't full. The bills aren't paid. We step into this story. We step into this moment in a moment of desperation. This woman, this widow, she is desperate. She has stretched things out. She has done everything that she can do. Her husband is gone. She is now a widow taking care of the household, taking care of her sons. And in this moment, it is a moment of desperation. This widow woman is desperate. She needs help. She needs to get past this moment. She needs to get past these creditors. Now, to give you some context, people believe that uh, her husband was the prophet Elijah. He was a servant to Elisha, who we were talking about in this passage. And what's so interesting is she doesn't come in her name to Elisha. She comes in the name of her husband. She comes in the name that is recognized by Elisha. People, she comes in the name of her husband. She doesn't have the same clout that her husband had with Elisha. She doesn't have the same draw that her husband might have had with Elisha in this moment. So she calls on him in the name of her husband, believing that if she called on her or she called on the prophet in the name of her husband that, she, that he would come, that he would show up, that he would arrive because she needs help. She needs a word from God. She needs to figure out how do I get through this situation? She is believing for a miracle. She is believing for a word from God. And so when Elisha shows up, she reminds him that her husband was a son. Her husband 
was, uh, went to his ministry school, went to his school of the prophets. She reminds him of who her husband was, that he was a faithful servant, that he was a son of God. She reminds him that before her husband died, he was loyal. That before her husband died, that he was faithful, that he was serious about God. She even said that he was a man of God. How many know when your wife says you're a man of God, you're a man of God? The word of the wife. In this moment, she was looking for something to hold on to. But in her husband's death, in his absence, he left them uncovered. He left them unprepared. He left them Without provision, he left them. In this moment, the provider was gone for the family. Their source of income had gone, and she had stretched it out as much as she could. She had found a way to stretch it out the best that she could to her ability. The provision was gone, and little by little, the cupboard grew empty. And little by little, the food supply, the rice, the beans, the Vienna sausages, the mac and cheese... It ran out. The things that can store for a hundred years, the Twinkies, they all ran out. And we find her in this moment. Her pockets are empty. The cupboards are bare. The fridge is empty. And the credit has been stretched out to its max. Has anybody ever felt like you've been in that position before where the, the cupboards are empty? Your pockets feel empty. Your credit is maxed out. You've done everything you can do and you feel like there's nothing left. And so you're finding a way to eat whatever it is that you can find in the fridge, whatever it is that you can find covered in dust in the back of the cabinet that you forgot about 10 years ago. It was clear, and it was not always clear in the Bible that uh, spouses of prophets and spouses were women of God, but it was clear in this moment that she was a woman of God, but in this moment she was in trouble. How many know that if this was us, if this was the position that we were in, most of us would have given up? If this was us, we would have given up. We would have moved away. We would have done something that would have changed our circumstance. But instead of quitting, at least she inquired of the Lord. Instead of giving up, at least she inquired of the Lord. Can I tell you, some of you in 2023, you've battled some things. Some of you in 2023, you felt like quitting, myself included. Felt like quitting. Felt like giving up. Some of you have battled the loss of friends. Maybe some of you have battled the loss of family. Maybe some of you have gone through different transitions in your life. Maybe your job transition, maybe a season of life transition. Maybe you've battled anxiety. Maybe you've battled fear that has just kept you alone, has kept you from ever stepping out into something that is uncomfortable. Maybe you felt like quitting your destiny. Maybe you felt like quitting on your calling. For me today and for you today, I don't know what you've battled in 2023. I don't know what you've battled this last year, these last 12 months. But as we step into a new year, as we step into a new season, can I tell you and can I encourage you that there's too much purpose on your life for you to quit? There's too much calling on your life for you to quit, for you to give up for you to back down. There's too much purpose 
for you to quit, for you to call it in, for you to mail it in. You have more to do. Do not give up. God has a plan for your life. But can I tell you, he's just been adjusting things. He's just been uh, uh, adjusting. Have you ever been to the chiropractor? They, they, it hurts at first, but when you get that large crack that sounds like he just snapped my back, I know and feel better on the other side of it. Has anybody ever said on the chiropractic table where they pop that spine and you can't breathe for a half a second, but you know you're going to feel better on the other side? God's just adjusting some things. He's just adjusting some things in this next season that will set you up for what is Next, see this widow in the story in Second Kings, she had lost everything. The only thing that she had left were her two sons. But in the story, it tells us that they were coming even for her own two sons to pay the debt that was owed, to pay the, uh, the debt that was uh, owed back. And if you look at it and if you study it out in Mosaic law, they had every right to come and take her sons. They had the right to do this, but can I tell you that no mom in her right mind, no mother in her right mind would ever give up her children to pay a debt. In this moment, she felt like she had no choice. In this moment, she felt like she had no other solutions, no other options. And so she called upon the prophet Elisha. And this is what Elisha asks her. He says, tell me. What do you have in the house? Everybody say, what do I have in the house? What do I have in the house? See, the miracle started out of something that seemed so insignificant to her. This miracle that we read about, this miracle that takes place started from something that seemingly was overlooked, from something that seemingly she forgot about. She said, I have nothing but this small jar of oil. See, can I tell you something that God will always use something that you already got in your possession? He will, already, he will always use something that you have in your possession. Some of that, sometimes those things might be overlooked. Sometimes those things might have been forgotten. Sometimes those things might have been buried somewhere in the back of a cabinet that you forgot about but God will always use something that you already have in your possession. When you think about in this moment, he used a pot of oil. When you think about it uh, in the New Testament, he used a few loaves and fishes. When you think about it, he used the jawbone of an ox. God will always use something that you have in your possession. See, this miracle, it started out of normalcy. It started out of something that was so insignificant. It started out of something that she overlooked, a small jar of oil. We don't know the context. We don't know if it was a sealed jar of oil. We don't know if it was rendered bacon fat from months ago that she had stored, knowing that someday I could use this bacon fat. I don't know how and why every time we fast, I weave food in throughout the whole thing but she just had a jar of oil. Can I tell you that miracles are birthed when God begins to magnify the very thing that you have overlooked? You might have looked at it and thought it was invaluable. You might have looked at it and thought it was not enough. You might have looked at it and said, I don't think I could do it with what I've got. But it becomes valuable when you place it in the hands of God. 
2 Kings verses four, or chapter 4, verse 2, says, Tell me, what do you have in the house? Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Can I ask you that today? What do you have in the house? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your possession that you have overlooked? What skills and talents have you overlooked? What things has God given you that you forgot about? What dreams has he placed in your heart that you buried on a shelf? What things has he put in your life that you forgot about, that seemed insignificant, that seemed like it wasn't enough? What do you have in your house? Satan has depressed some of you over this last season, over the last year of 2023, so much so that you don't recognize what you have. That it has distracted you from what is already in your possession. In this moment, what's so interesting and what's so funny is, I would think like the prophet, why do you keep telling me about what you don't have? Why do you keep telling me about what you lost? Why do you keep telling me about the things that are no longer in your possession? Why do you keep telling me about what you no longer have instead of focusing on what's in your house? You focus on who you've lost. You focus on the friends and the relationships that have gone astray. You focus on the things that you have lost, the, the financial decisions that you made that didn't pan out the way that they intended to be. You focus on the things that you no longer have in your possession, but what do you have in the house? Stop worrying about what you don't have. I'm going to give you four things today very quickly. The first thing that she had to do was she had to identify what she had. She had to identify what she had. 2023 might have tried to take you out. Maybe you feel like you have nothing left. Maybe you feel like you have nothing left to give. I would encourage you during this season of prayer and fasting, during this next week of prayer and fasting, to take note and take recognition of what you do have in your house, what he has given you, what, what you still have rather than what, he what, what the enemy tried to take, rather than what is no longer in your possession. This woman in this moment, she thought it was over. She thought there was no hope. They're going to take the only thing that I have left, my two sons, to pay the debt. She was about to lose her babies. She was about to lose the last thing that she had. But the source of her miracle was already in the house. I believe that Satan has tried to distract you to get you to focus on what you've lost in 2023. But I would encourage you as you step into 2024, recognize what you have left. Recognize what you still have in the house. Recognize what's still in your possession. Recognize what's still in your ability. Recognize the talents and the giftings that he has that have laid dormant for so long that you thought, God, what are you going to do with this? It seems so weird that I can juggle glass plates. But what could you do with this thing that seems so insignificant? If you can juggle glass plates, God bless you. Stop lusting for things that you think you might need next year. Stop looking for things that you think you might need in 2025 and recognize what you have in the house. Can I tell you, you've got everything you need for today's battle. You've got everything you need for the next Time the enemy tries to attack you. You've got everything that you need for your relationship 
You've got everything that you need to restore your relationship with your husband, the relationship with your wife. You've got everything that you need in this next season. You've got everything that you need to raise your children in a God-fearing home. You've got everything that you need. Stop trying to look for what's next and recognize what you have in the house. Do you think that God would give us instruction? Do you think that God would give us calling? Do you think that God would call us to a place and not provide everything that we need? So often we can stand on God's word, but we don't like to stand on the fact that he will provide. We don't like to stand on the fact that if he called us, he will provide a way. If he called us, he will make a way. We stand on his word, but we don't like to stand on his provision. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given, not will give, has given us everything we need for a godly life. You have the anointing you need for the battle. You have the anointing that you need for the struggle. You have the anointing that you need for the next challenge that comes. You have everything you need. Why don't you say that today? I have everything that I need. Say it again like you mean it. I have everything that I need. One more time because I don't think you're getting it yet. I have everything that I need. Everything you're going to face today, you have the oil for. Everything that you're going to face tomorrow, you have the oil for. Everything that you're going to face next month, you have the oil for. It's time to identify what you do have and work what you do have. God doesn't need anything that you lost to bless you. He will always use what you got in your house. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I have everything that I need. Say it one more time. I have everything that I need. In this moment, they were about to take her sons, and uh, they don't uh, say this in the passage, but sometimes how many know we can look through in our own circumstances of how I would respond. And so we can think in this moment, she's stretched everything out to the best of her ability. She's done everything she knows to do. They're about to take her son. So I could imagine there, were a, there was a lot of anxiety. I could imagine there was a lot of sleepless nights. I could imagine there was a lot of fear that would come in in those moments. Stressed out, thinking I've got nothing left. All I've got left, everything that I've looked for, everything that I've scoured in this house, all I could find was a jar of oil. Then he says to the woman who was already in debt, and I think this is so interesting because she knows everything that's going on in this moment. Elisha knows everything that's going on. He's already heard the story, and he says to the woman who was already in debt, 2 Kings 4, verse 3, go and borrow. But did you know, have you seen my credit score? It's below 200. Did you know that I've stretched it out? I've, I've, I've used every ability, every opportunity. I've used MasterCard, Visa, Debit, American Express. There is nothing left. And you want me to do what? Go and borrow some more? Who's going to lend to someone who has 
maxed out their credit? Who's going to lend to someone who has stretched everything out to the best of their ability? He says, go and borrow vessels. And he says, do not gather just a few. Did he hear me when I said I've got no credit left? Did he hear me? I can't get a car. I can't qualify for a house. I'm broke. I got nothing left. The creditors are coming to take my son. And you want me to do what? Go and borrow some more? The second thing that has to happen for this miracle to take place is you must go outside and open the door. Say, open the door. You must open the door. If you want to see this miracle, you must go open the door and you must get some vessels. You must borrow something from someone else. He says, get some more. Now remember the, the prophetic imagery in this passage and the prophetic imagery that we read in the, uh, the beginning that vessels are our faith. They represent our faith. They represent that. Can I challenge you? Don't live in fear, but open the door and get some faith in this next year of 2024. Don't live in fear. Don't live in anxiety, but begin to go get some vessels. Begin to go and build your faith. Begin to go and pre prepare for what is coming next. Can I encourage you and challenge you that I believe that God wants to blow your mind in 2024. He wants to do something above and beyond. He wants to do something great. He wants to do something that will provide overflow and provide abundance in your life, but you must prepare for the provision. So often we want God's blessing. We want God's anointing, but we're not willing to prepare for the poor that's about to come. P-O-U-R, not P-O-O-R. We're not re ready to prepare for the provision for what's coming next. We want God to pour into us, but we're not ready to handle it. Can I tell you that God will not pour new wine into old wineskins? God doesn't waste miracles and he doesn't break people. Are you willing to prepare yourself? Are you willing to open the door and prepare and to get the vessels and to build your faith and to get what is next to prepare for what is about to come for the provision that he has for you? Can I tell you that preparation is the pathway to the promise? And our responsibility is not the provision. God's responsibility is the provision. But my responsibility is submitting to the preparation process. Yes, that preparation process can be hard. It can be difficult. It can be challenging. I'm not someone up here who has got it all together and who if everything is smooth going. I've been going through a preparation process of myself. Yes, those seasons are hard. Yes, those seasons are challenging. Yes, those seasons of stretching, they can be difficult. They can be painful. But are you willing to submit to the preparation process? Get some vessels of faith to fill in 2024. If your bank account can sustain the dream that he's given you, your dream is not big enough. If what you have in your possession, you can do on your own, your dream is not big enough. Because you can do it on your own, you don't need God. 
God's responsibility is the provision, but my responsibility is submitting to the preparation process. Get some vessels of faith to fill in 2024. See, when that moment comes and when that provision comes and when that thing comes, I don't want God to have to slow down because I'm not ready to handle it. When God is ready, I will be ready. When God opens the door, I will be ready to handle it. I will be ready to take it. That's how we have to step in to this next season. I know 2023 has been hard. I know it has provided challenges. It has been difficult. It has been a stretching season. But can I tell you that God will use your hard season to prepare you for what is about to come, to prepare you for what is next. The storm that you're going through, the storm that you seemingly feel like you're drowning from, that you seemingly feel like you're sinking in. Can I encourage you that you're about to walk on the water of the thing that is trying to drown you? You're about to walk on the water of the thing that is trying to take you out. The trial, the tribulation will be used to prepare you for the next level of what he's about to bring. Are you willing to submit yourself to the preparation process for the provision to be poured out in this next season? You must get your faith ready for what he wants to do. Verse six, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased, the oil stopped. Can we just point out in this moment, can we just point out in this passage that if there would have been less vessels, there would have been less oil. But if there would have been more vessels, there would have been more oil. The measure that was poured out, or let me say it this way, she was the measure of her own miracle. Based on the amount of vessels that she had gotten, she wasn't the source. Can't get all high and mighty and think we're the source. No one is that good. No one is that great. You are not the source of your miracle but you are the measure of your miracle. Your level of obedience will determine the magnitude of your miracle. Can you imagine this in this moment? She's, her, I'm sure her neighbors already know she's already borrowed sugar. She's already borrowed flour. She's borrowed everything that she can. They, heard that she probably, they probably already know that she's in debt. They probably already know that there's nothing left. They probably already know that she's in trouble. So could you imagine feeling the shame, feeling the guilt, feeling the difficulty of going and asking for one more thing? Could I get a vessel? Could I get a pot? Could I get a pan? Could I get a mug? Could I get something? Your level of obedience will determine the magnitude of your miracle. The oil was already in her house, but the faith to get the vessels is what multiplied it. The faith to get the vessels that she got from this neighbor and this neighbor and this neighbor was what multiplied the miracle. Is your door of faith open in 2024? At some point, you're going to have to open the door of faith in your life. You're going to have to open the door of faith 
And if you don't open that door of faith, if you don't open that door to that miracle that is about to come, you will never experience the supernatural power of what God is about to pour out on you. When was the last time you created vessels with your big prayers? When was the last time you created vessels with your advanced praise? Say, well, I'm going through it. Praise through it. Praise through it. You're going through it. Praise through it. Your praise should be louder when you're going through it than when you're not. Can I tell you something? Here's a little secret. Your praise is a problem for your problem. Don't be silenced in the midst of the struggle. Be louder in the midst of the struggle. Be louder in the midst of the pain. When was the last time you created vessels with your advanced praise? You don't feel like you need, you don't feel like you, you can give praise. You don't feel like, when was the last time? So the first thing she did was she identified. The second thing that she did was she opened the door. Second Kings 4.4, 4, once you open the door, it says, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door. Everybody say, shut the door. In 2024, I'm shutting the door on my past. I'm shutting the door on the things that have held me back long enough. I'm shutting the door on the things that will try to take me out. I'm shutting the door on the things that are not of God. I'm shutting the door on the things that will hold me back. My past will not have power over me anymore. Shut the door on the things that used to take you out. Shut the door on the things that used to destroy you. Shut the door of condemnation. Shut the door on the choice that you made 10 years ago. Shut the door on regret. Shut the door on addiction. Shut the door on fear and anxiety. I had challenged my wife in this last season to shut the door on some things. Because even if you leave the door open a crack, you're leaving the opportunity for that thing to come in again. Shut the door. In Hebrew, the phrase shut the door means to deliver. Elisha knew she had to be delivered from her past before she could get the miracle. I know you've been through a lot. I know you've struggled. I know there's been challenges. I know there's been difficulties. I know you've walked through some stuff that you didn't want to walk through. I know the storm came through. I know that thing that you did to yourself that you feel like you can never get past. It doesn't have the power to define you any longer. Shut the door in 2024 on those things. Shut the door. All of us in some form and fashion have collected things. We've hoarded things. Has anybody ever seen the show Hoarders? All they have left is a pathway. And there's 10 foot tall piles of garbage. Things from 15 years ago, 20 years ago. There's still cat poop from cats that no longer are alive. They're hoarders. Some of us have hoarded and collected things from our past that are slowing us down from the pace in which we are to advance. We hoard guilt. We hoard shame. We hoard pain. 
We're struggling and challenged with our daddy issues. We're struggling and challenged with our mommy issues. We hoard these things, maybe sometimes not even intentionally, but we hold on to them. And can I tell you something? We all need to be delivered, including the person on this mic. We all need to be delivered. We all need to be delivered from the things that are not of God that will slow us down in this next year. Can I tell you that if you let it, your past will define you if you let it. But my declaration in this year is that my past will not define me. In 2024, my past, the things that have slowed me down, the things that have held me back will no longer define me. That we are to close the door on our past. That we are to close the door on the things that have slowed us down. We are to close the door on the addictions. We are to close the door on the things that have not drawn us closer to God. Can I tell you that things from the past have the power to shift your mindset? The way that you saw mom and dad or maybe did not see mom and dad shape the way that you handle your relationship today. The way that you saw your parents treat you has shaped the way, whether good or bad, the ways that you treat your kids today. If you let your past define you, it will define you. But today in 2024, on January 7th, let's close the door. Let's close the door on the things that will slow us down, the things that are not of God. Shut the door on your past. You can't have my mind. You can't have my finances. You can't have my heart. You can't have my family. You can't have my marriage. I'm going to shut the door in this next season. I would encourage you, stop paying a debt that you don't owe. Stop paying a debt that you don't owe anymore. How many know if you take someone out for dinner multiple times and every time when the bill comes, they step out, you're going to stop inviting them to dinner. Stop paying a debt you do not owe. Shut the door in this next season. Can I tell you something? Your past was finished the moment that Jesus said, it is finished. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live from the mistake you made 15 years ago. Shut the door on your past. Shut the door on the thing that is hindering you from stepping into what, is, what God has called you to do in this next season. You don't have to be the byproduct of a broken home. You don't have to be the byproduct of sexual assault. You don't have to be the byproduct of abuse. You don't have to be the mistake you made 10 years ago. Shut the door. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be insecure. You don't have to live in fear. Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Declare in 2024 that he is going to do a new thing in your life. Declare in 2024 that he's going to do a new thing. He's going to do something different. He's going to do something new. The next time your past tries to mess with your future, he's going to do something new. The next time your past tries to mess with your future, remind him or maybe your response should be, 
Yes, I have a past, but Jesus. Some of you, that's always been your response. Yes, I have a past. Yes, you can look at me and you can see that person that made a fool of themselves in the club years ago. Yes, I have a past, but Jesus. Yes, I have a past, but Jesus saved me. He delivered me. He renewed me. He restored me. I'm not who I used to be. He came despite it. He bled to destroy it. He died to overcome it. And he rose above it. Therefore, I would challenge you to say this. I am over it. I am over it in 2024. I'm over it. I'm over those things that have held me back. I'm over those things. The fourth and last thing is this. Linda, you can come. The fourth and last thing is this. You must silence the distractions. You must silence the distractions. Second Kings four verses one. The woman exclaimed, the creditor is coming to take. The creditor is coming to take. Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. In this moment, all all she could think about was the creditor was coming to take all that she had left. The creditor was coming to take her sons. The creditor was coming to take the one thing that she loved left. But in this moment and in this passage, the miracle did not start until the distractions were silenced. She had all the ingredients for the miracle right in her own house. It didn't seem like much. It felt so insignificant. It felt like it was not enough. But she had everything that she needed right there. Can I tell you, there will always be distractions that will come that will try to stop your faith from believing in God, that'll try to discourage you, that'll try to take you out, that'll try to destroy. There will always be distractions. There will always be things that will come that'll try to stop your faith. There will always be opinions that will stand at the door of your miracle and try to convince you that what you have is not enough. There will always be people that don't believe and don't see the same way that you do, that will try to discourage you. There is no way that that is enough. There is no way that that's gonna be enough. There is no way. You're gonna lose your job. You're gonna lose your career. You're gonna lose your miracle. Your dream is too big for your bank account. There will always be creditors that try and run by the door of your miracle to discourage you and try to shut your faith down. There's no way that that church will ever survive with all they've been through.
Doesn't matter how many names they change. Doesn't matter how many leaders they go. There's no way. There will always be creditors that'll come. Can I challenge you to shut the door? Shut the door on the distractions. Shut the door on the things that were spoken to you as a little boy, on the things that might have been spoken to you as a little girl. Shut the door on the previous relationship, the things that were sowed into you that don't need to stay there. Shut the door. You are enough. You are here for a purpose. God is not done with you. He has more for you to do. Shut the door on the distractions. Shut the door on the doubters. Shut the door on the things that will try to take you out. Here's what you need to do in this year. 2024, January 7th, 2024, here's what you need to do. Shut the door on all the things that do not promote God's plan for my life. Shut the door. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Shut the door. Shut the door on the distractions. Shut the door on the doubters. Shut the door on the things that have tried to take you out. And say goodbye. I don't need to see you anymore. I don't need to hold you around anymore. I don't need to hold on to you anymore. That fear of failure that has caused you to leave door open, doors open. That fear of failure, that fear that you're not enough, that fear that you're not loved, that fear. Those insecurities, you leave them open, but you know you should close them that fear that has kept you from walking on water in the middle of the storm when it doesn't seem possible. The insecurity that has kept you from taking the platform that God has called you to. Identify what you currently have. Identify what is in your house. Identify what is still in your possession. And when joy comes, open that door. When faith comes knocking, open that door. When provision comes knocking, open that door. But everything that is not of God, shut the door. Don't leave it cracked open. Just in case, plan B, shut the door. Silence the distractions. Silence the doubters. Silence those who maybe just don't understand the same way that you do. Because when God comes through, he'll get the glory. He'll get the glory won't be because you were the source, but that you were preparing for the provision that he was about to bring. And the look on you in that situation, and you'll be able to say, I didn't do it, God did it. 
God did it. God did it. Can I end with this? Say, well, maybe I just, I don't, I don't care. I don't care the same way you do. Can I tell you something? You do care. It's okay to care, but it's not okay to carry. It's okay to care, but it's not okay to carry the weight of it. That is not your job. Your job is to not carry the weight. Yeah, you can care. But it's not your job to carry the weight of it. That's God's job. And if you would submit that to him in this next year, if you would submit that to him in this next season, whatever it is that you're going to step into, don't be ashamed of the preparing. Don't neglect the preparing. For the provision is about to come. And it won't be just enough. Like the end says, it says, go and sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You don't have to worry. The provision is coming. Can I pray for you today? God, I just thank you. I thank you for every person. In the sound of my voice, I thank you for every person who may be watching online. I thank you for every person today. That in this year of 2024, that when we identify what we have in the house, that when we extend our faith and we open that door to gather the vessels, to gather the things so that you can perform a miracle, to close the door on the things of our past, to close the door on the doubters, to close the door on the creditors, to close the door on the things that have no place in our life. Right now, I speak to any anxiety that it will go in Jesus' name. I speak to any fear that has been dormant in your life that it will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. I call peace forward. Peace. I speak to any words of doubt. I speak to any words that were spoken over you as a child. That maybe you didn't realize it, that were deep down inside of you. Steering the way that you think. Steering the way that you make your decisions. I bind those in the name of Jesus. Any words of negativity, any words of doubt, any words of insecurity shall go in Jesus' mighty name. But that starting on January 7th, 2024, God, you are going to do a new thing. You are going to do something different. That you are changing us. I speak to fear of abandonment, that it should go in Jesus' name. That you in your own mind, you're not an orphan, but you have a family who loves you and cares for you, who will stand with you in the midst of trials. That fear of abandonment shall be broken off of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
God, we thank you. God, we need you. God, we need you more than ever before. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you'll never leave us. I thank you that you are for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're in here today. You say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know this Jesus that you talk about. I don't know. Can I tell you something as a small boy in a podunk coal mining town of West Virginia, in a town that seemingly was insignificant, in a town that seemingly had its glory days in the past, a small boy by the name of Matt Shuttlesworth gave his life to Jesus. And that decision has changed my life. For all of eternity. And I would say to you today, when I gave my life, it was the greatest decision I ever made. It was the greatest decision I ever made to give my life to Jesus. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna struggle. Doesn't mean that you won't go through difficulties and challenges. But what it does mean is you won't do it alone. That God is with you, that he is for you. That he will provide. Maybe you're in here today. Maybe you're watching online. You say, I don't have this relationship with Jesus that you're talking about. In this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to say, yes, this is a starting line. This is the starting line to change. This is the starting line to inviting him into your heart, to transform you from the inside out, to go into the very deep places that maybe you've buried, to go into the things that maybe you've hidden, to go into the things that maybe you don't even know are in there and to transform you from the inside out, to help you. If that's you today and you would like to say yes to Jesus, to invite him into your life, can I tell you the first Sunday of 2024 is the best time to do it. You don't have to live 2024 the way you live 2023. You don't have to live it the way you live 2022. You don't have to live it the way you live 2021. But that you can start new. If that's you today, we would just like to pray for you. We're not going to call you out. I just want to pray with you right from your seat, wherever you may be. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. But if that's you, yes, we see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. We're just going to pray in just a moment. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I've said yes to God, but I've grown apart. I've fallen away from him. And in this year, I want to grow closer to him. I want to recommit my life to him. If that's you today, just raise your hand real quickly. We're going to pray all together before we end this morning. 
if that's you. Come on, church, we're going to pray together. Let's pray audibly together out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Today, I give you my life. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for redeeming me. Today, I confess of my sins. Change me. Transform me. Renew me. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.